I invite you to take a Bible or to turn on a Bible to Genesis chapter 13 as we look into God's Word this morning. The central truth that I believe we'll see from God's Word today is that faith in God for provision produces generosity. Faith in God for provision produces generosity. Someone said to me already this morning as the message is coming a little bit earlier in the service today that uh, I must be uh, trying to get people to give more, to be more generous in the offering today. And I assure you that was not my primary uh, reason for doing this today. But if that is what takes place, we will certainly praise God for that as well. But think about that truth for a moment. Faith in God for provision produces generosity. If I recognize and acknowledge that, that God is my provider, God is the one who provides for me, the one who provides for my basic needs, the one who ensures that I am taken care of, then I'm much more likely to be generous with what He has given me. Now, one of the most interesting Shows on television right now is that show about hoarders. You all know who I'm talking about. Perhaps there's some hoarders among us today. But hoarders are those people that collect things and never get rid of things. Presumably because they think that somewhere down the road they might want or need those items of junk and other collectibles that have been stockpiled into their home. So much so that some of these individuals and some of these families cannot even navigate to their own houses without having to step around certain material memories and possessions. So much so that forced to walk by sight To simply navigate through rooms of the house by looking at everything, making sure that they don't step over or on something that they might need on another occasion. Well, this morning in God's Word, in Genesis chapter 13, we are going to look at two individuals who also had a lot of possessions, who had a lot of stuff. And the two responded when they were faced with a decision, when they were faced with a choice in two totally different ways. One responded making a decision based on faith, faith in the Lord, while the other made a decision based on sight. One walked by faith in God and one walked by sight. And we see that the one who walked by faith, Abram, central character of this portion, central human character of this portion of God's word in Genesis, the one who walked by faith revealed that that his faith in God produced generosity, that he acted on the faith that he had in the Lord. So I want to invite you to open up your Bible, to look with me at Genesis chapter 13 as we look at this great story of Abram's faith. And as you are finding your way there, I want to catch us up to speed as a reminder of the events that took place in this portion of God's Word just prior to this chapter. That two weeks ago where Abram and all his possessions and all his livestock, all his family have been expelled. They've been kicked out of Egypt after going there for provisions during a time of famine. 
Because the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, has attempted to take Abram's wife, Sarai, for his own wife. As a result, the Lord has brought all sorts of plagues and diseases, difficulties on him and his household. And remember that Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, was not aware of the depth of his own fault in this because Abram had told him that Sarai, his wife, was actually just his sister. So God had appeared to Abram. He had called Abram. He had promised to bless Abram. He promised to make his name great and to give him many descendants and give him a land. And yet in a difficult time, Abram began to doubt the promises of God. He began to doubt that the Lord would protect for him and provide for him and care for him and fulfill these promises in his own life. And when faced with potential danger, he acted with deception. But even so, God is a faithful God and God intervened and protected him and delivered him and all his possessions from Egypt and preserved the purity of his marriage. And so now Abram and all that he has set out northeast back to the land that God had promised him, the land of Canaan. And this is where we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 13. So look with me for a few moments at Genesis chapter 13 beginning in verse 1. And there God's word reads this way. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev, he went from place to place until place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier, and where he had first built an altar. And there, verse 4, Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and lots. Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So, As we learned a couple weeks ago, and as we see even now in these opening verses of Genesis chapter 13, Abram left Egypt even richer than he was when he went to Egypt. We're told right here in verse 2 that he had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. Not, Not a bad thing, right? Not only had Abram become wealthy, but his nephew Lot, who had been traveling with him, also became very wealthy. So much so that The two could no longer live together. And so many possessions, and so many people, and so many livestock. The land that they were living in, the area that they were in, the region that they were in, could no longer support both of them. And and quarreling broke out among them as a result. Too rich to stay together. It's not a bad problem to have, right? However, with more things more possessions, difficulty arose. It's not enough space. It was strife. This is a reminder for us today that, that more stuff, more possessions, more material things is not always without difficulties. The more we have, sometimes the more we think we need, the more we have, the more we want. How often have you known a family that fought over a sizable inheritance. Perhaps it fought over a a small inheritance. How often do we hear of successful and 
wealthy businessmen or successful politicians that are in trouble over money laundering and illegal use of funds. We're reminded from God's word here that prosperity may bring quarreling. Prosperity may bring quarreling. This was the case between Abram and Lot. This success, this blessing, even blessing from God led to other challenges between them. And the important thing was not was not that they had or they didn't have. The important thing in this case for the people of God is the same thing for us today. The important thing is how they responded when they faced the challenge. How they responded to, to the strife. And before we look at Abram's response, Abram's response of, of faith, I want us to back up and look at verse 3 and to recognize something that then prepares Abram to respond in the right way when he faced difficulty. Back up to verse 3. From the Negev, he went from place to place place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier, where he had first built an altar. There Abram called on the name of the Lord. Abram, who had earlier received a great call from God to act in faith, to respond in faith, and to follow the Lord in the direction that He will lead him, and ultimately that He would be a, a great blessing to all people, that His descendants would occupy a great land, that His name would be great. This one, who had earlier worshipped God, but then had departed the land and gone to Egypt and experienced a difficulty with no real commitment, no com- no acknowledgement of his faith in the Lord during that time, responded by falling short of the standard of God during that time, is now returning to worship God. And likewise, when we, when we stray from full faith in the Lord, when we stray from full obedience to the Lord, we ought to repent and return to worship as well. Repent and Return to worship. Perhaps like Abram, you have strayed from a full commitment to God, to knowing God, to serving God, to worshiping God, to glorifying glorifying God. Perhaps you have fallen into the trap of pursuing dreams and ambitions and goals and wants and desires with no real acknowledgement of the plans and aspirations of God in your life, for your life. If that is you, repent and return to worship. God today, a God who is compassionate, a God who is gracious, a God who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Repent and return to worship. Prosperity may bring quarreling in life. We see in the verses that follow that those living by faith can can settle quarreling with generosity. Was living by faith can settle quarreling with generosity. Look back at Genesis chapter 13 as we pick up the story in verse 8. So Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan Lord Zoar was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. The author tells us here, this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. Two men parted company. 
Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. So these two men acquired a lot of possessions, were close relatives. Now they're herders fighting among each other, looking for a solution to this problem. Abram tells Lot, you, you take your choice. You take first choice of the land and I'll go elsewhere. Let's split up. Let's remain united. Let's not divide and quarrel over, over these needs. And one, Abram responds with faith in God. As the one who received the call of God, the one who had been promised by God to have a great name, to, to occupy this land, to have a, numerous descendants. He's no longer taking matters in his own hands. He's no longer acting on his own. He is trusting in the promises of God and thereby he acts with faith in God. Generously giving Lot first choice. It sounds as if this is just sort of background information in this, this story about these two men parting ways. But don't miss the significance of the difference and the motivation for these two decisions. Abram walks in faith, acts in faith, and Lot responds with making his decision, like Eve in the garden, based off what she can see. Sees something that is desirable, and he acts on it, a selfish decision. And like Abram, when when God has blessed us, when God provides for us, and when God cares for us, let's be People who live magnanimously. Live magnanimously. Let's live unselfishly. Let's live generously. Let's be people that are characterized by forgiveness and generosity and giving to provide for the needs of others. Let's follow the example of Abram. One who was generous as he walked by faith. And even greater than that, let's follow the example of Jesus. The Son of God who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. All out of love for you and for me. Let's live magnanimously and like Abram, let's walk By faith. Let's walk by faith. Let's be people who are characterized by faith and the promises of God and the leadership of God and the guidance of God and the provision of God and the protection of God and the plan of God. Let's walk by faith and not by sight. Lot walked by sight. Ultimately faced great consequences for it as he settled among the Sodomites. The people who are described here as an exceedingly wicked people. As if to say they were a step below common sinners in their actions. Abram walked by faith. And ultimately the Lord blessed him for it. Look at the final portion of Genesis chapter 13 as we draw this chapter to a close. Genesis chapter 13 beginning in verse 14. Lord said to Abram, after Lot departed from him, Look around from where you are, to the north and the south, to the east and the west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. 
I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abram went to live near the great trees of Mamre, Hebron, where he pitched his tents, and there he built an altar to the Lord. You see here a third truth that we see from Genesis chapter 13 is that the Lord approves and blesses the faithful for their generosity. The Lord approves and blesses the faithful for their generosity. Abram walked by faith, causing him to be generous with his nephew Lot, causing him to serve others. Walk by faith. And as a result, the Lord appeared to him. The Lord spoke to him. The Lord reaffirmed his promises to him. His promise of a great land. Promises of many descendants. Though Abram was old at this time. Elderly. Still had no descendants. And still did not have the land that he had been promised by the Lord. He believed the Lord. And as a result of his belief in the Lord, he worshipped God. Abram's faith in God led him to be generous with what he had. Abram's faith in God led him to wait on God to fulfill the promises. And Abram's faith in God led him to worship God. And likewise, as people gather together this morning in this place who have faith in this same God, we are invited to praise God always. Let's praise God always. Let's praise God together now as we continue in worship, as we as we seek the Lord, as we desire to please Him, to glorify Him, and to fix our eyes on Him as our author, as our creator, as our sustainer, as our provider, as our protector, as our redeemer and friend. Let's praise God together. Now, Father, we do thank You that You care for us, Lord. We thank You that You call us. We thank You that You provide for us, Lord. We pray that you would hear our praise now, that you would be glorified in our lives as we sing praises to you now, as we declare truths about you now for your glory. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, choir. Thank you, orchestra. Thank you, David, leading us in worship this morning. We certainly want the Lord to be our vision, to guide our vision, that we might pursue him, that we might please him. In all that we do as individuals, as families, and as a church. And there are a number of themes from Genesis chapter 13 that we could connect with uh, this church, with believers gathered here in this time and in this space and this day. Like Abram, sometimes we need a, a fresh start. Sometimes we need a new beginning. Sometimes we need a renewed commitment to the Lord and to His guidance and to seeking Him and to living for him, and perhaps you have been wandering in your faith. Perhaps you might say, That sounds like me, somebody who has strayed from full faith and obedience to the Lord, and I need a renewed commitment to the Lord. I would encourage you to make that commitment today, to know that He is a Lord who welcomes His own back always, a God who has His arms standing open waiting to lead us, waiting to guide us, waiting to receive us, waiting to forgive us. And we praise Him for that. Also, like Abram, we want to be a people that are characterized by unity, that we want to, like Abram, value uh, unity in the body of Christ, a body of believers that 
is united in pursuing the Lord and seeking the Lord and following Christ and and His leadership in our lives as individuals, as families of believers and as a church family. Also, like Abram, we want to be people who walk by faith in the Lord, whose faith in God guides all that we do, guides our decisions, guides how we spend our money, how we spend our time, how we pursue dreams and ambitions in life, how we relate and interact with others. We want to be a people that are are guided by faith. We want to be people who walk by faith and, and not by sight. In fact, walking by faith is going to be a theme for us throughout the year 2015 as we as Christians gathered in this body, this body of Christ, Meadowbrook Baptist Church, seek to honor Christ and to walk by faith in Him. So let's be united together as believers who love the Lord and characterized by faith in the Lord and desire to, to seek the Lord and to glorify Him by knowing Him and by growing in Him and by going forth in His name. For just a moment, I want to draw our attention to our church's mission statement. That we as a church here exist to glorify God first and foremost. That is our mission. We glorify God by knowing God through biblical worship and by growing together as disciples or followers of Christ and by going throughout the world with the gospel of Christ. And I want to take just a few minutes to connect each of these three overarching values to where we are in 2015 in Meadowbrook Baptist Church. Knowing, corresponding to worship, growing, discipleship, and going, corresponding to mission. But like, like Abram, we also want to be a people who are devoted to glorifying God. A people who remain committed to worshiping God, to glorifying Him, to seeking Him, to serving Him, to magnifying His name, to lifting His name high. We want to worship Him here as people faithfully and we want as many people as possible in this community where God has placed us to also worship God faithfully for He is a God who is worthy of praise. God is worthy of exaltation. And not only does it glorify God for us to serve Him, not only does it honor Him, but we are most satisfied when we are serving Him. When we are worshiping Him. And last year, one year ago, I stood here and challenged us as a church to grow, to, to pursue growth as a church. Numerical growth as a church by 40% by the year 2020. And by the grace of God, we experienced 7% growth in weekly worship attendance over 2014, throughout the year 2014. And we praise God for that. God is worthy of praise. It's worthy of honor. We want to continue reaching out into this community where God has placed us so that we can, can point others to Christ. So this place would be filled each week with faithful worshipers who desire to exalt the name of Jesus Christ. And as you know by now, or as I think you know by now, one week from today, we'll beginning, be beginning a new early worship gathering right here on Sunday mornings. New worship schedule at, at 8.30. I've heard some speculation about what that service might look like. We certainly desire and pursue 
the exaltation of God and the worship of God to be absolutely central in that worship time, just as it is in our regular worship hour and as in all that we do. We desire to magnify Him, to be led by Him. That being said, it will be a time that, as I previously stated, will be uh, theologically rich, guided by the Word of God, that it will be somewhat stylistically diverse and singularly focused on the glory of God. I'm sure in some ways that will feel somewhat modern and contemporary at times, and in other, other ways and in other times it will feel very traditional. So that being said, if you think you have that time figured out, if you think you know what that's going to look like, you probably don't. Um, so I want to invite you to come. I want to invite you to, to check it out. Come and check it out. Then prayerfully consider where God would have you worship with your family, the 8.30 service or the 10.45 service. But would you join us in, in praying for that time? In fact, we need a number of you to, to consider coming at that time, at least in the beginning, to, to help make that new worship time successful as well as to free up some space for uh, potential guests and visitors during this service time in the weeks ahead. So let's join in praying that God would continue to be exalted in our worship, that our worship would be pleasing to Him, that He would be the object and the subject of our worship in all that we do in this place. And not only does God call us to exercise faith in Him and to display our faith in Him through worship, but He doesn't call us to do this alone. That's not God's design. That's not God's plan. He's called us to exercise faith in Him alongside other believers. For this reason, second value as a church is discipleship, growing together as, as followers of Jesus, growing to, together as, as people who want to, to know Christ more, to come alongside Christ more, to serve Him more, to be more faithful as, as believers in, in Jesus. And for this reason, we are implementing a strategic and intentional discipleship structure in addition to uh, our regular Sunday school classes and groups this year. As you can see on, on the screen, there'll be, there'll be three levels, three categories, three different emphases within this plan. The, the know, uh, which focuses on biblical worship, knowing truths about God, knowing the foundational beliefs, what we believe and why as believers. And our know 101 will be our foundational course uh, for, for that tier, for our, uh, our worship uh, element. And a number of you have already uh, gone through that material here on Sunday nights uh, in some time back as we looked at foundations of our faith. And the second layer of this will be a growth level, a grow, uh, growing in our walk with the Lord. Grow 201 will be uh, the foundational course, the foundational study in that particular level, and this will be uh, a course that focuses on spiritual disciplines, Bible study, prayer, giving, um, all aspects of maturing in our walk with the Lord. And this, this study will be offered uh, beginning February 8th on Sunday evenings this year, this semester. And then thirdly, our, our go level, which will focus on serving in the life of the church, as well as going forth in the name of Christ out into the communities with the love of Christ, with the gospel of Christ into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces, into our marketplaces, and ultimately throughout the world. And so know that this is coming this year, and these will be classes that then will be built upon with other 
Bible study groups and course offerings that will fit into to this plan. But each of these three core classes and studies will be offered on a regular basis and would encourage you to take advantage of these opportunities. So we want to, we want to know God through biblical worship. We want to grow together as disciples of Christ and ultimately we are called by the Lord to go out into the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one year ago, I stood here and presented a couple goals to us as a church by the year 2020 in the area of missions. And one of those was to have one-third of our church membership on a mission trip, short-term or long-term mission trip or project in, in a given year. By the grace of God, in 2014 alone, we had over 120 Meadowbrook Church members participate in a mission trip or project. God is worthy of praise for that, worthy of exaltation, for, for leading us, for calling us, for equipping us, for sending us. We ought to celebrate that. We've still got a long way more to go. As we desire to be people who are characterized by going forth with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now the goal that I presented to us in the area of missions was a, a mission team or an ongoing connection or partnership on six of the inhabited continents of the world. And we are certainly working toward that end. And had a number of teams represented in 2014 alone and plans already underway for a number of other mission trips or projects, as you can see in the, the missions column there. In 2015 alone, and this is not even all of those, Atlanta being an option there, Belize, uh, Kalir right here in Shelby County, a partnership with a Hispanic church, ministering among Hispanics, Honduras, Kansas, Moldova, uh, the Way, and San Antonio, youth choir and mission trip to San Antonio. But that last one, I want to give just a, a couple of remarks about. We have, uh, by the grace of God and the providence of God, we have an opportunity to, to partner in reaching and helping to reach uh, a people group in East Asia that has little to no knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we pray to that end, as we think about that opportunity, I want to invite you to watch uh, a short video on the screen. Here we are in China, home of the Great Wall, Tiananmen Square, and one and a half billion people. But we've come here to learn more about just one group of those people, Chinese Muslims. But actually that one group is made up of 10 groups, and we're just focusing on three, the Salar, the Dongshong, and the Hui. And that's just the beginning of the complexities we've discovered are facing the few believers from these people and those working to see the gospel spread among them. If you're anything like me, most of your impressions of China come from the majority people group, the Han. Things like Kung Fu, ceramics, or sweet and sour chicken. And when it comes to religion, perhaps you think about communist atheists, Tibetan Buddhists, or underground Christian house churches. But both the culture and people of this emerging superpower are actually much more diverse than that. This is true for the Hui, Salar, and Dongshang as well which, for simplicity purposes, let's just call them all the Hui. These minority peoples, with a current population around 14 million, have lived in China for centuries. 
they've both influenced and been influenced by the greater culture. In fact, on the surface, from an outside perspective looking in, they can appear to be much like the majority Han people. However, once among them, it doesn't take long to discover what sets them apart. Now, when speaking of the Hui, it's important to understand that there's one characteristic that distinguishes them from all other peoples in China, and that is their Muslim faith. In fact, it's so tied up in who they are that to be Hui is to be Muslim. For this reason, you could sit and talk with a nice Hui man all afternoon. You can tell him all about Jesus, why he came, and why we need him, and this man might even agree with you. But at the end of the conversation, when you ask him if he wants to believe in Jesus, he'll say, "Of course not. I'm Hui." But you should go tell other people about this because they really need to know. I'm here at one of the largest and most important Islamic mosques in all of China. In fact, the Hui people have been worshiping here for over 900 years, and today they've just finished Friday prayers, which is one of the times where more Chinese Muslims gather here at this mosque than any other place in the world. And when I look around at all of these men and boys crying out to a God who doesn't hear them, I can't help but be overwhelmed by the task facing the church here. In fact, if these 50,000 people represented the entirety of the Way people, there wouldn't be one believer among them. That fact highlights the greatest need among the Way, and that's for workers. For decades, the Way were simply forgotten by most Christians around the world. In fact, most Christian work in China ceased following communist rise to power. However, over the past few decades, the church in China has grown exponentially, but mostly among the majority Han people. We discovered that all those working among the Hui are doing so at great risk. No one, from community leaders and government officials to the families of those with whom they are sharing, is tolerant or accepting of the conversion of any Hui person. Many Hui believers are scared to share with other Hui because of the threat of persecution. When they do step out in boldness, it is often initially with their family. However, even there, they are not always welcome. Still, though it is constantly challenged, the power of the gospel cannot be stopped. These experiences highlight what is probably the second greatest need, and that's for Christian community. Though there are a few believers. There are even fewer healthy indigenous churches among the Hui. So, what can you do for the Hui people? Well, one, you can go. There are millions of Chinese Muslims literally all around the world, and the workers among them are few. Some of you may be called to go to a place like this and to join that work. And lastly, perhaps most importantly, I want to ask all of you to join with one another and to pray, to pray for the Hui. Good friends um, from seminary. He and his family work and serve among the way in China. And our Thailand mission team from this past summer, from June of this past summer, had opportunity to meet that family and to serve that family and to serve two other families who have also felt the call of God and been sent out from Birmingham, Alabama, actually to serve among this people. Several months ago, I asked our staff to pray. About the possibility of a partnership and pursuing uh, and supporting uh, mission work among the way, and in addition to that, ask our missions committee if they would pray to that end. And now today, I am asking you, as a church, 
to join in praying about this possible partnership, to, to pray if perhaps this is something that God is leading us uh, to in the future, perhaps something that God is leading us to uh, begin in the year 2015. Church, God has been gracious to us. God has provided for us in so many ways. He has provided the gospel of Jesus Christ to us. Provided salvation and provision and protection. He has provided for us living here in a way that that many others around the world are not presently provided for. And we are called as people who exercise faith in Him to, to walk by faith and to be generous with what He entrusts to us. So let's be a people who are characterized by generosity. Let's be a people who recognize that God is our provider and that he leads us to, to care for others in his name. God has provided. Let's be generous with our resources. Let's be generous with our time. Let's be generous with the hope of the gospel. Church, as we conclude uh, this morning, I want to invite some of you to uh, express a commitment Uh, toward achieving uh, the vision that God has for us as a church. And I want to begin by inviting our staff and uh, those that are presently serving as deacons this year in the life of Meadowbrook Baptist Church. If you could say, hey, I I believe that that God is calling me to support this vision. I want to be a part of spiritually spiritually leading Meadowbrook Baptist Church to, to know God through worship and to grow together as followers of Christ and to go throughout the world, go throughout our communities with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you could say, I believe God is in that vision, God is in that mission, and I want to support that. And I want to invite you to acknowledge that as a symbol uh, by standing now wherever you are. As you... Remain standing where you are. I want to extend that invitation. I want to invite some others that perhaps would say, I support this mission. I agree with this vision. I want to see the Lord glorified both in this place and in this community and ultimately around the world. And if you're serving as a chairperson of uh, a committee in the life of this church this year, if you're in a, a leadership position in the life of this church, or you're a teacher in the life of this church, whether a Sunday school teacher or a children's choir teacher or a Bible drill teacher or any sort of Bible study or class teacher, and you're in support of pursuing God's direction in the life of this church, I invite you to, to join these in standing now as well. And as we seek to, to glorify the Lord, I want to invite all of us as a church, whether church members, or choir members, orchestra members, perhaps you're a guest with us this morning. You desire to see us as a church be faithful to God, not for our own glory, but ultimately for the glory of God and pursuing the mission that's clearly laid out in this word and this vision that we've touched base on this morning. If you could say that, I want to invite you to stand now as well. Father, we come before you today, Lord, and we desire to follow you. Lord, we desire to know you. We desire to be found faithful to you. We desire to be led by you. We desire to be a people who love and follow Jesus Christ and are characterized by by glorifying you through worship, discipleship, and missions in your name. Lord, lead us 
that we might be people who walk by faith and not by sight. For you are worthy of our lives. You're worthy of our devotion. Lord, help us today be devoted to you. Lead us by your spirit as we seek to be faithful to you. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.